Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fully Booked, the Hidden Gems author podcast, in which Craig Touch and myself, Roland Hume, chat to some leading lights and larger-than-life figures in this crazy business we're in of writing and self-publishing. Except this week, we don't have any special guests. We are the leading lights of the industry that we want to talk to, because today is a very special episode. Craig, do you want to explain why today is a very special episode? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, we're, it's been a year, right? It's, we started this back in, uh, January, 2022. Um, this is episode 52. So as I was, <laughs> as we were talking about, uh, off air, technically, I guess 52 episodes would mean a year. So really maybe we should be doing this in episode 53, but we didn't want to get too pedantic about it. So nerd, nerd, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you with your counting and your math. <laughs> But, you know, whatever. Either way, we started in January, and it's now January, so it's a year. Let's call it a year. I think um, I'm actually yeah. really proud of ourselves for doing this. This is kind of an incredible thing. Everyone and their dog started a podcast in uh, in the during the pandemic and stuff like that. But we've stuck to we've stuck to it. We've done a whole year. There aren't many podcasts that get to 52 episodes. Yeah, I mean, I didn't... It, it's gone by really fast. Like, we were looking at uh, different things we were doing, and we were always like, oh, that was then that was so long ago we did that way back there you know like it was it went by for me super fast um every week it's just it's it amazes me and that we're already at episode 52 so listen i hope i hope it's useful to people uh you know i hope people are listening i, I do get emails about it and stuff so it, it is helping some people and um i just i just think it's fun you know like you know just talking to people in the industry is always something that i enjoy doing and uh, learning about stuff is um, that we don't know about or, or uh, that the audience doesn't know about, I think is, is, you know, it's useful for us at least. Hopefully it's useful for other people. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's, that's great about it is we've had, we've had over 45 guests because for the most part, we've always had guests on, which again, I think is pretty cool. We're not just two blokes talking in our garage. We're like, we're chatting to some really interesting people. We've had all of these interesting guests. Yeah, we've had a ton of really cool uh, guests, and and um, we're I mean we're gonna keep that up, right? But uh, we were thinking maybe we could talk about some of the the ones that were. It's hard to pick ones that you know I, we don't want to play favorites, but it's like you know sometimes ones for whatever reason stick in our minds a little bit more. Uh, so maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the ones that uh, that hit home with us for whatever reason. Might not be. The case with everybody everybody might have a different one that was that was uh notable for them specifically but you know maybe you and i can just uh talk about like our three i don't know three uh not, i don't, don't want to say best but like the three that stick in our heads that made an impact on us for whatever reason and uh you know absolutely i'll tell you what why don't you do one i'll do one you do one i'll do one you do one i'll do one so we'll start off with you who was one of the guests that you you, you remember distinctly from this year well, I mean, only because, uh, well, not only because, but one of the main reasons why is, you know, for almost the entire year since we started the podcast, one of the first guests that I contacted to be on it was Alana Albertson. And she was in, I'm just looking up what episode it was because it was very recent. Um, she was on episode... Oof. I should have had this done. Uh, 46. So, and and uh, she talked about um, the movie deal that she's been working on. And she has been working on it, like, forever, right? 
Like I knew you, we, we wanted her as a guest before we even had a podcast. Right. And I mean, that was one of the, the I said, you know, I sent her an email and I'm like, Hey, we're going to do this. Do you want to come on and talk? And she's like, yeah, but I can't right now. Uh, because I, you know, she's the NDAs and this and that. And it was all sort of happening. The deals were happening and she just wasn't able to talk about it. And so she said she wanted to be on it, but it was always like, you know, every time I'd, we we touch base every month or so, you know, she uses uh, hidden gems for her reviews and stuff. So we, we were talking anyway and she was always like, yeah. And, and she'd tell me a little bit informally about what was happening, but she couldn't really go into details and she certainly couldn't talk about it publicly. So, um, you know, it was nice to finally get her on in uh, episode 46. And, you know, we, we were looking forward to having her on again when we can talk even more. She was even still sort of restricted in what she could say um, about her deal. But, uh, but I think it was a fascinating story about how that all came about. And I think that there's a lot more that I'd love to hear about as the process moves forward. And especially if she does get into the writing room, I'd love to sort of get like the you know, the fly on the wall sort of perspective for the writing room, whether she's an active participant in it or if she just has to sit back and, and listen, right? Yeah, and that's because, I mean, she's kind of living the dream, so to speak, as we all get into writing and we all, you know, I want Netflix to pick up my show for a, but it could be a blessing or a curse if you don't get invited into the writing room. Imagine if you, you know, you'd written something amazing and they went and completely butchered it like a lot of movie franchises end up doing. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, but then I, I think at some point, I, I imagine everybody's different, but I think a lot of us would be like, just give me the deal and do what you want to do. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I, I'm like, sure, I, I, in an ideal world, I'd like to have all this control. But if it's, you know, all or nothing, you know, I'm going to, you know, like, if it's like, I can have the deal and have no control or have no deal, I'd probably still take the deal. <laughs> I can understand that. That was that was a great one. So my first one, she's actually one of our most recent guests, but I, I found it such a fascinating topic. It was Kayla Perrin, who's, of course, an amazing writer, but uh, she was here to talk to us about dictation software and how much it had sped up her, her writing. I mean, my problem is there's never silence in my house, but I have to admit the idea of like sitting there and being able to talk your book out, maybe when you're in the car doing the washing up or, or just sitting down, that, that was kind of exciting to me because... I've been getting carpal tunnel recently from doing all the typing. And, you know, you have to be sitting down at a desk in the in the right mood to, to do that writing. And so having a new way to approach it is kind of an ex- exciting thing. And, and Kayla is obviously being very successful with it. So I really enjoyed um, the podcast we did with her. And I really enjoyed the, the way she just like laid out exactly her journey towards adopting this and the good parts of it and the bad parts of it. Yeah. And she was a really fun guest, too. Like I had a lot of fun talking to her. and. Um, I am not somebody who's ever really, I remember using dragon like years and years and years ago, but it's come a long way. It's not even something that I've really looked into. And it's, it was fascinating to hear about how it's evolved and how much better it's become. And you can do it with like, and it makes sense to do it like on your phone now, like every back when I was doing it, we didn't have iPhones and all that stuff. Right. So it was like, you had to get your microphone and set at your computer and do it now. Sure. Everybody's got an advanced microphone in their, in their, uh, in their phone, carrying it around with them at all times, standing there waiting in line, you have a great idea, just dictate it in there. It's great. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy just how much technology advanced in, in that particular aspect. And it's like, that's nice because we're still creating the stuff. The thing that's starting to scare me, which we might do a podcast about in the future, is like AI and AI written stuff, which is where technology might be wrong. But anyway, let's move on to your next, your next guest that you liked. Yeah, so then 
sort of similar um, to my last pick was, but this one goes way back to one of the first episodes we did. So I think it was episode three with Jennifer Milliken and the, her, her TikTok experience. And what I loved about this story was, um, you know, as opposed to Alana, who, you know, went out and said, I want to get a book deal. And she got an agent and she, you know, went through all these steps with the clear goal in mind, right? Uh, Jennifer, it's almost hit her by surprise. I mean, obviously she was doing social media and, you know, she was doing TikTok videos, but, uh, and obviously when you do that, there's an expectation that, you know, people will watch it, but, you know, she had done a whole bunch of them and none of them had really gone anywhere. And then one day she just comes home from the gym and sits down and records a quick little, uh, thing about a book that was, I think at that point, two years old and, you know, by the end of the night, it was look, looking like it was going to do just as well as every other one she'd done, which is not that great. You know, she went to bed and she's saying to her husband, hey, you know, maybe this is the, the universe telling me I should stop writing. And she wakes up and the world has exploded. And, you know, she's got so many, like, I don't even remember how many million, it was millions of views, I think, wasn't it? And Yeah, it was like 16 million or something. Yeah, it was crazy. And, uh, and, and her life changed, like, and, and, you know, the book exploded into the top of the charts. And I think she was getting queried for movie deals. And this was a book that was, I think, two years old, like, you know, most, most of the time, when we talk about marketing and advertising, we talk about doing it on a new book, because there's so much momentum that go and everything's going for you on, on your new book. And it's harder to do anything with older books. But uh, this, this was like, on an old book and and all of a sudden like basically her life had changed overnight yeah that was a great story and and it did it reminded me that you know you are writing books you're creating a product that has value to it i think she can get quite jaded and be like oh your book's been out for seven weeks no point in in marketing that that you might as well be marketing a box of kleenex for all you care but then you realize <laughs> that actually people do care about your books if they get the chance to read them and if they get the chance to see them so that was like a perfect storm but it was very it, it, it gave me a lot of hope. Yeah. I mean, even though your book isn't new to, to you, uh, it's new to, to everyone who hasn't read it yet. Right. So, and it's not like a romance book goes out of date. It's not like uh, it's a, it's a technical manual on, you know, iPhone five that, you know, next year will be useless because iPhone six is out. Right. Like it's, it's a romance book. So if somebody discovers it two years from now, it's just as good to them. There's no reason why it shouldn't do well. And I think sometimes we, it's not that we forget that, but we, we just feel like, you know, it's just easier to, to market. All of your focus is usually on your latest release, right? So it's hard to split your focus, split your marketing budget, split everything when you know that all the algorithms are working in the favor of the newest releases out there. And so we just sort of tend to, you know, focus on the new stuff. And that's sort of a good reminder that, um, even your old stuff can can just do really well. Absolutely. You're always creating something of value. Yeah. So my next guest is Lillian Munro, who came on to talk to us about, um, I can't remember what episode that was, but she came to, on to talk to us about translating books into German. And I really enjoyed that episode, kind of for personal reasons, because I knew Lillian before we got into making the podcast way back in the day when uh, you know, I used to give her advice and now she's just stuck to it and worked really hard and become so prodigiously successful. And she's now leading the way in translations and you know, dipping her toe into audiobooks and stuff like that. And she, I think, is a really great example of if you treat this like a business, 
then it can be very, very successful for you. And I think uh, one of the a lot of us self-published authors get in our own way or we don't commit. You know, we half ass it. We don't really, really commit. And she literally like uh, deconstructed and re-engineered and uh, built out a machine to make what she does successful. And I just have such respect for that. So it's kind of exciting to go in and, and see that. Yeah, that was uh, episode 32. And um, I agree, it was really interesting to hear about that because we actually do hear sometimes, I hear about it, You, I know you've heard about it, uh, where authors go and they, they translate their books into other languages and then they they hit those markets and, and those markets are so much less saturated than the, uh, than the US market, right? So um, if you're able to do that, you actually have this advantage where you're in a much less um, competitive market for your books because there's just less content out there for a lot of the, a lot of the stuff. Right. I mean, sure. There's, there's still a lot, but there's, there's far, far less because most authors that are publishing these books, they're not translating them into other languages. So, you know, you have your leg up on all that. It's, it's kind of like audiobooks and all that stuff. Like every every different avenue and every different place you can you can put your book that will maybe hit this other market that that not everyone else is hitting gives you another place to find an audience and and to uh, to grow your your fan base. Absolutely, and this is why it's so important to see what other authors are doing because you you know what might not work for you in one particular thing might work for you very well in another. So who's your next guest on, on the list? So this one was kind of like a surprise to me in the, in the sense that um, I really didn't think uh, that I was going to, I don't know, connect with this topic too much. Um, the way, not certainly not to the extent that I did, but in episode 47, when we talked to Abigail Owen about um, OneNote and uh, you know, OneNote is, uh, is, is a Microsoft product. It comes with, office so many people who have office 365 installed they already have it and they probably have never opened it which was the case with me and i honestly didn't even really know what it was i never opened it never thought about it i probably heard the term but i just didn't know what it was and you know i think if you listen to that episode if uh if you pay attention to the you know the way that i'm sort of uh talking about it at the beginning compared to how I'm talking about at the end, you can see my skepticism slowly turning into conversion, you know, and now I'm like a one note, uh, you know, I, I'm an addict. I'm a, a fanatic. I've, I've put everything into one note because um, I like to be organized. And for me, I, I was always like, I have, you know, every time something comes up, I open up a, a notepad and I start you know, I, I clicking away and then I save it and it's on my desk, I have an 8 million notepad and then you got to find something, you don't know where it is. And, you know, like it was, it was a mess and it was, and OneNote allows you basically to sort of always have this notepad open that you can keep organized. You can keep track of, yeah, or put them into tabs and into whatever. And, and then it syncs to your, so I got it on my phone. I could, you know, everywhere I go, it's the same information. It's, you know, before it was like, okay, I, I uh, I'm out, out and about and I need to look something up, but I wrote it on a notepad on my computer. Now I can't until I get home, you know, but instead now I can pick it up and, and see it right away. And um, to me, that was a big surprise. Cause I, uh, I didn't, I found something I, I didn't know I was looking for. I could see actually your eyes like light up during that episode. And, and <laughs> I mean, you are the king of organization. I think that's why we work quite 
uh, so well together because you're very very organized and i'm a leaf on the wind and so like it's i uh, having that extra organization i think is incredibly valuable so i might even look into one note i i i thought i was organized but clearly i wasn't but now with <laughs> one note i am no i like i should have like microsoft should break in now and give it commercial and we should get paid for it really but um but yeah so so to me uh that was that was a big surprise um but uh so yeah so what's your third pick um my final one was uh terence Lehew who came on to talk about the one book that, that he wrote at that time which is reason and romance which was uh, kind of like Jane Austen set in the modern day with a, a male lead. I enjoyed speaking to him because he reminded me of something that I think it's very easy to forget about when you approach this business like we do. And that is to have fun with it and to write the book that you want to write. And he ha- had no real like aspirations to be massively commercially successful with this book. Whereas I know when I write a book, I'm like, okay, I have to launch it correctly. I have to market it. I, I have expectations about what I want to get back to it. And so to a certain extent, you lose some of the fun and passion of what got you into writing in the first place. So it was kind of refreshing and, and, and really enjoyable to see someone talk about talk about their writing in just a way that it brought them joy and it made them happy. And they enjoyed it as an experiment. They enjoyed it as a project. They enjoyed putting it out there. It was just, uh, yeah, that that joy in writing that I think it's very easy to lose sight of when you you are in it too deep. Right. We spoke to Terrence in episode 30, and uh, I agree. Like, sometimes I was actually talking to an author about this uh, just this week. Um, sometimes we get into writing for one reason, uh, and then that reason, some we sort of lose sight of it. Um, you know, a lot of people get into uh, to self-publishing because they really like to write and they the money is not really that important to them. Um, other people get into it for the money. But, you know, for the people that sometimes get into it because they love to write and then they have some success, some level of success, and they start making some money. Um, and then sometimes we sort of lose track of it, of, of why we started in the first place. All of a sudden we're making the money and then that money does become important to us because we start to rely on it or we start to, uh, you know, expect it or whatever. And then it changes, the market changes, something changes, we start making less. And then all of a sudden we're stressing about it. And now we're, 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 we don't know what to do. And we're thinking, Oh, we should just quit or, 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 you know, I don't know, we're, we're rethinking everything about what we're doing and how we're doing it. And then it's like, you've got to remember, but that's not why you started writing that. And, you have to get back to uh, you wrote because you enjoyed it and you weren't here for the money. The money was nice, but I mean, just because the money goes away, did you stop enjoying? Did you, do you no longer enjoy writing? I mean, if you don't enjoy it anymore, then, then yeah, then maybe you should stop writing. But if you still enjoy writing, you know, get back to that, right? Stop stressing about the money. Obviously if, it, if, you know, if you went and ended up quitting your job and now you're relying on it, yeah. it's a different story. Right. But, but sometimes people are, they're not relying on the money, but because the money came, it's almost because it became an important factor when that isn't why they, they really got into it. And sometimes we just need that reminder. And I think Terrence was a good reminder for both of us about that. Yeah. Cause I definitely see, you know, if I knew, if I, knew I was going to get eaten by a lion in a year's time then it's like I probably wouldn't write the the books that I think are going to be commercially successful I'd write the ones I want to write and you know maybe that's important because you're a long time dead so 
do you want to be remembered for the the 10 mc romance books you you wrote or do you want to be remembered for the one book that was your book that you were really passionate about yeah exactly and you know i think a lot of people probably wouldn't even want to be remembered for their MC romances at all, but, you know, <laughs> but then others, you know, so it, listen, it, it's, uh, there's a lot of reasons why we all write. And I think sometimes we just have to get back to remembering what it was that started us on the path in the first place. Absolutely. So now we've talked about the, uh, our favorite, well, not our favorite, some of the most uh, memorable of the podcasts. Um, another question, we had a whole year, a whole year of the writing industry has passed us by. Like it was, it was a different landscape in January of last year. I thought maybe we could spend a moment and, and talk about like some of the big developments and some of the big things that have happened that you think are, are good or bad or make a difference or a change or what's caused you to pivot in, in your thoughts on the, on the market? Well, I mean, we have done a couple of episodes where we've talked about some of like the news and, and things that have uh, changed in the industry. And it's been a while since we, since we did that. Um, and I think that, you know, we can, we can talk sort of a, about some of the ones that have come up that we haven't even discussed yet. I mean, to go over, you know, I, I think we'll be out of time if we go over all the big things that happened in, uh, in the year, but um there have been some big things that have changed recently that we haven't really talked about on here. Um, one of them, which is one that we've been blogging about a lot recently is the Amazon attribution tags. Right. And I know you think that that is like a massive, massive uh, change a positive change for the industry. Right. Yeah. And that's because we recorded a lot of podcasts in advance. So we'd have some space during the holidays. And then Amazon came out with these, attribution tags which are which is the thing that have been missing for the longest time because when you advertise on facebook or twitter or wherever you can you can send clicks to your product page on amazon but after that you don't know what happens to them so for the longest time if you've been advertising seriously on facebook you have to do kind of calculated guesswork to see whether it's actually positively impacting your sales and i mean i've had times when it i i'm pretty sure Facebook advertising has boosted my sales massively. That other times I've been spending money on Facebook and I can't see it move the needle at all. And now uh, Amazon will, using a special URL you create, which they call it an attribution tag, Amazon will track all of the behavior for the people who land on Amazon through your external ads, whether they're Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And to me, that's huge because you can actually see whether the people you're sending from Facebook are buying books or not. And that's what it's all about. And I think the biggest thing everyone's always asking is about uh, tips for advertising. A lot of the dashboards, you know, and, and the platforms these days make advertising very, very easy in terms of getting pairs of eyes on your ad and driving traffic to where you want to go. But it's your book page in particular that's the big thing. If your book page isn't set up to the point that more people click on it than you spend on advertising, you're going to lose money and you just didn't know what was going to make the difference until now. And I've been experimenting with attribution tags for the last month or so, and I'm just loving it. I mean, it's, uh, it's I haven't made a, a huge amount of money on it yet, but the amazing thing is you're running adverts and then it's like, oh my goodness, look, I did actually sell books. I did actually get page reads. I am actually making a daily return on my investment, even though, you know, you're spending $20 a day on ads, you're getting $6 a day back that's fine. But if you run five days of ads and you get 20 days of $6 a day back in, in page reads, then you're finally making money. And it just allows you to 
to really know once and for all whether you're in the black or in the red and what works and what doesn't. And now if you change your blurb, you can see whether that converts more. If you change your cover, whether that improves things. So I think right now is probably the most exciting time to to be able to, to advertise externally because you are finally able to see whether that advertising actually works or not. Right. And then um, kind of like on the flip side of that, on the darker side of that, right, we have that whole change that's happened where Amazon uh, isn't sending people to their site through their app um, because they don't want to pay uh, Apple and Google a percentage of their sales. And so, you know, on the one hand, now we have this like tool that will help us determine whether our advertising clicks uh, will make money. But on the other hand, this other change has made uh, those advertising clicks make less money <laughs> because, you know, Amazon uh, automatically, I guess, pulls people in. If you have the app installed and you click on an, on, on a, uh, on an ad for a book, it'll pull that book up in the app, but then the app won't let you buy it. You have to then go out and find it separately through the website and, and buy it that way. And then we know every click between the advertisement and the sale is going to lose a certain percentage of, of uh, buyers. So that, that has a big effect, right? Yeah. This is one of the, a real, real problem, I think. So the, whether you have an iPhone or you have an Android phone, Google or Apple decide, Hey, any transaction made on an app, they get 30% of. And so that's that's a big deal. If you buy a hundred dollar TV on the the Amazon app on your Android phone, then thirty dollars of that straight out of the gate goes to Google. So Amazon have had to cut back on the things that they allow to be bought there because for them, ebooks just aren't profitable. They're you know they they lose seven. They're giving you seventy percent royalties, and then from that thirty percent, they now have to give an extra thirty percent to to google or to apple so they simply stopped the ability to buy an ebook on um the kindle app or no on the amazon app and it does if you 70 of people are, are browsing facebook or instagram on their phone so when they tap on your ad the amazon app will automatically open up and then that book you've sent them to they can't buy with that tap they have to go through to the the amazon website and i know from for me personally, anytime I try and get through to the Amazon website, it opens up in Chrome and it's like, you need to log into Amazon. And they're like, I can't remember what my password is. That's why I have the app in the first place. So I'm not sure about this. There are different schools of thought. In my experience, I've noticed that I am selling massively fewer books now than I used to. And I know the adverts are working. I know you can still download a book to read on Kindle Unlimited. So I'm still getting page reads. So I know that people are clicking on and buying and, well, clicking on and downloading and reading my books through the app. But they're just not buying them in the same uh, in the same numbers that they used to. And I think it's really hurting the effectiveness of advertising on Facebook. So exactly as you said, Amazon has come in with these wonderful attribution tabs that could be a game changer. But at the same time, they've literally cut the legs out. Uh, from under all of the self-published authors because they've they've cut off um, one of the the easiest ways for us to make money. And every time you ask somebody to do an extra click or go to an extra website, you lose 50% of them. So it really is, I think, hurting the effectiveness of of advertising. I can't imagine that Amazon will will stick with this. Surely at some point they've they've got to make some kind of a new deal or new arrangement because 
I don't know. I, it seems ridiculous to me that they are willing to lose all of the money that they get selling ebooks just so they can save the money that they're not giving to Google. Well, uh, but uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm not 100% clear on the math here. But let's take this uh, for a second and look at it. If they are giving for a for a two ninety nine book, the split is seventy for authors and thirty for Amazon, right? Yeah. So, but if if they have to give thirty to Google or Apple, then they're getting zero. Yeah, I believe. <laughs> uh, no, you're absolutely right. I believe the the percentage is straight off the top. So, yeah, it's a two ninety nine book on uh, that they're selling. Normally, they would get thirty percent, and the author would get seventy percent. And now, thirty percent has been taken off the table right away. So they're so they're making zero. So I don't think Amazon's going to buckle because why should they? Right? They're, otherwise, they're just they're just giving they're just giving away the books. They're not making a cent off of it. So they have to, I guess, decide whether or not they can figure out some other way to i don't know i guess they can make some sort of deal with apple or google but you know any kind of percentage they're getting, or or what they might end up doing is be is is pass the problem on to the authors and be like well 30 percent is going to come out of your side you know that could yeah. be how they decide to do it <laughs> and then and then that starts to become a sucky deal it's like when you're yeah. advertising but you're making 70 percent royalties then you know you can that's still a tight margin, but when you'd be getting forty percent royalties, it starts to to take the the realism out of it. So I think that I think it's so weird how he gets this great thing coming in with attribution tabs, and yet they really nobbled us with the the Amazon app. So that's going to be something interesting to see how it unfolds in the year ahead. Yeah, and I guess uh, the last thing is sort of what you briefly touched on before, and this is becoming sort of. Uh, I think we're seeing a lot of talk about it and it's not something that we have really talked about at all on the blog or anything. Cause it's, um, it's a, it's a pretty new thing is this whole idea of AI and this, uh, the, what's this, that chat chat. Oh, chat GPT or something. GPT. Yeah. Where, uh, basically, and I, I played around with this the other day and it's, it's not like, I don't think it's going to all of a sudden, you know, start writing books for us, but, people are starting to use it to come up with like, I don't know, outlines and, and uh, write blurbs for them and stuff where, you know, like I said, we, we both have played with it and I don't think that the blurbs that it comes up with yet are, are a good, um, you know, is it's, that's, they're not one that I would want to publish, but if you're terrible at writing blurbs, they might be better than what you were writing before uh, because they weren't terrible. Like the blurbs weren't terrible. They just, they were kind of flat. They were kind of like no personality, just like it was almost like a news summary of, of, of the points of the, of the story. Right. But, um, but I think that uh, it can get there because they're already where they are, you know, and it's probably just going to get better. Um and, you know, I, I played around with it a little bit with the with an outline sort of thing where, I, you know, basically you just put in, you know, uh, give me a plot about, you know, two people that are, you know, and you just give it a, some points. And then it, it basically comes up with like a plot and it named the characters. And, it you know, it, it, like again, it, it wasn't something that I could now start writing a book off of, but it was sort of like a starting point. You know, it's it was something that was interesting in a way that I could like take what they they gave me and 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 expand on it 
and maybe it's a little easier than starting from zero. So I think that uh, that is something that a lot of authors are starting to look at now. And that's a really interesting uh, thing that's, that's coming out. We've seen that with, um, there's, uh, I don't remember the name of it. There, there's something that does that with images now, right? And that's become a really yeah. good thing. Uh, because basically what it's doing is it's, uh, you know, kind of, um, I don't know, stealing <laughs> images from the web. Like, and it's just basically going at, you say, uh, give me a, show me a picture of a birthday cake with, dollar signs all over it or whatever and, and it'll do it but but then you you know from what we're hearing is like it's it's grabbing images from the web that are not necessarily just free to use and uh you know that that people have created and it's sort of using those to to piece together images that you asked for right so who knows if that's what the the chat gpd or whatever it's called is doing right you have to be a little bit worried about you know, if all of a sudden it's writing something for for you, is that is it stealing something? Are you going to get hit with the copyright, you know, notice or something like that? Well, I think you're absolutely right. I know I experimented with it because a lot of people have been on Facebook have been posting uh, their blurbs and then a a blurb that ChatGPT put together. And I think I showed you I experimented with asking it to write a blurb for the first book in my series. And undeniably, the blurb I wrote was better. But the blurb that ChatGPT wrote was serviceable enough. I mean, the, and you, just as you said, it kind of uh, steal. It doesn't st- well. It pulls things from the rest of the internet. It's almost like there's a formula for writing a good blurb. It's you know, you introduce your character, you introduce your your conflict, and you you set up the question and, and leave it the question mark. And that's what ChatGPT does. It, it it uses the formula and the structure and it fills them in. So I think if you wanted to write a blurb for your book and you didn't know even where to begin, you can type in these bits. It will give you this blurb, which you might not want to copy and paste and use, but you can use it to start off with um, bringing up. It it identifies the core elements that you need to include in your blurb, and it's a great place to then start writing your blurb from. So uh, in in terms of like giving you a prompt and, and getting over that intimidating blank page when you're trying to write something, I think it's it's almost terrifying how efficient it is. Yeah, I was I was actually blown away by how um, how well the writing was. Like it wasn't you couldn't really tell that it was written by an AI. Like it was it flowed, the grammar was correct. It was you know it it it, it was good. It was just it wasn't it wasn't as good as a blurb that somebody who is good at writing blurbs would write. Um, so I wouldn't personally use it, but, um, but like you said, as a starting point, sure. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's amazing. I asked it uh, a question and it kind of comes up with a form. If you were writing blog posts, you could use it absolutely to generate blog posts and, and things. So I'm kind of scared to see where it goes, especially since I've been doing a lot of research into like screenwriting and things. There's a book called Save the Cat. I don't know if you've heard of it. It was written about 20 years ago and it was called The Last Book on Screenwriting You'll Ever Need. And it's become so successful that once you've read that book, you can't watch a Hollywood movie again without being like, oh, I see. That's this part of Save the Cat. That's that part. That's this part. And it's almost like a, a formula and it's become ubiquitous throughout Hollywood. And once you get those formulas people use them again and again and again. And I'm just worried that the um, AI is just going to enable you to feed an ingredient and it churns out a serviceable story. I mean, I don't know if you're a Hallmark fan, 
But this year, there were so many Hallmark movies and people were, were making jokes about posting all of the posters, the Hallmark movies, and how identical and cookie cutter they looked. There was even one movie, it was called uh, uh, Sisters of Christmas or something, where they filmed one movie and they edited it in two ways and, and sold it as two different movies. And wow. Dan Harmon, who's the writer of uh, uh, Community, he came up with the, the story circle. He watched them both. And, you know, he was like impressed at the, the sheer cynicism behind filming one movie and turning it into two movies and then just shamelessly throwing it out there. It's like there is something kind of terrifying about how AI can can vomit out stuff that is just good enough that people will consume it. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's sort of like, I, I don't know. I don't know the particulars of that um, that case, but I guess, you know, if you look at when filmmakers film, you know, episode two and three at the same time, like Cameron's doing with Avatar, right? You could be like, well, you know, maybe they just filmed four hours worth of content and, and split it into two. But if it was actually, you know, really the same content, but edited differently, then yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, it really is. So I think AI is going to be something to look at and not necessarily a good way, although it can help. I think one of the reasons advertising your books has become so much easier is because the algorithms have become incredibly powerful. And it used to be when we started this, I would advise people, oh, you don't want to use the the automated advertising features on these dashboards because they're so clumsy. But now I'm like, you know what? Sometimes the automated dashboards, the automated advertising works better than your curated advertising. Right. I think the uh, the the thing that people are put off by that is kind of the black box sort of um, issue there where you don't really know what it's doing. So yeah. you can't tell, is it delivering this to the right audience? Uh, you know, is it doing what I think is the best or what it thinks is the best, which might not be the best for me, you know, like nobody really knows. But if you try it and the results are positive, then, you know can't argue with results sometimes <laughs> i think it's such a weird time to be alive because you know back 100 years ago everyone's like oh technology will enable us all to to free ourselves from having to work so we can concentrate on creating art and literature and stuff and now it's like okay guys we're gonna have ai to create your art and literature so you can focus on the tedium of your boring desk job yeah and and you know like i don't want to get into you know a whole uh you know the the debate about AI and and how it can be used to in evil ways, but but I I do feel like that is one of the potential paths we're going down. Where you know, especially where you see how AI is used now to create images and and not just images but video and the deep fake stuff and all that stuff, yeah. where they can basically do it on the fly and you can't hardly tell the difference. And I mean, once we can't trust the video we see we're in a lot of trouble. Do you remember when we used to get told that the photograph never lies? Yeah, exactly. Right. And I mean, sure, we've had Photoshop for a long time, but video is much harder to do. And now it's like, you know, we could, we could, I've watched, uh, you know, real time people talking and it, and then they have, you know, some famous person overlaid and, and it looks like it's them talking. And it, I just, it's, it blows your mind. Right. But, but it's kind of scary about, how that can be used in very bad ways so you know i guess we'll have to see but hopefully it's not going to start writing books for us and, and put us all out of business 
well when we come back in a year's time to do the roundup of the second year of, of fully booked it'll be kind of interesting to see how that's developed yeah maybe it won't be us doing it maybe we'll have ai uh, <laughs> creating our podcast that was one of them you can uh, i don't know if you ever saw it but there if you google uh, uh it was a joe rogan it uh joe rogan interviewing steve jobs and it is not joe rogan at all and it is not steve jobs at all but it was an ai generated and written nobody wrote the script they they had an ai create a podcast between joe rogan and steve jobs pulling from all of the content that is out there and it sounds like joe rogan and it sounds like steve jobs and he's asking questions and he's answering the questions and you really can't tell (laughs) like it's pretty crazy you know so i don't know that's why we do this on video so it'd be a little bit harder (laughs) yeah absolutely so, so that's it, I think, right? I think so. We'll wrap this yeah. one up. Uh, but I mean, this is this has been a lot of fun. I'm excited to to see who we're going to have on and the, the year ahead. You've got some great guests lined up already. Yep, yep. And I think um, you know we're always we're always open to other guests. So people, um, I have gotten some suggestions from people. Um, but if if people if listeners have uh, things they want to hear about or or guests they want us to talk to or if they think that they'd be a good guest, you know, they can send us a note and we'll uh, we'll definitely follow up on it. Absolutely. And speaking of which, if you have enjoyed this podcast or any of our other ones, make sure to hit that like button down below. Uh, leave a comment for us if you want to. If you haven't already, subscribe. And uh, yeah, before we wrap up, Craig, any final thoughts? Just want to thank everybody for listening for the last year and, and um, you know, hopefully they continue and, and things grow and we have a great 2023 as well. Well, same, same thoughts from me. So that is great. We'll be back next week with another episode of Fully Booked and a brand new guest. Happy New Year and we will speak to you soon. Cheerio.